All right, hey everybody, let's make our way back to our seats. Good to see everyone on this first Sunday of 2020. How about that? Beginning a new year, beginning a new decade. <laughs> Those titans. <laughs> hey, absolutely. Absolutely. That would be good to see them go all the way. <clears throat> Praise God. Hey, listen, let me invite you to open up the word of the Lord with me today. We're going to be right in the middle of the Bible in Psalms, the first chapter, Psalms chapter 1. And then we will also be a few books behind that in Ezra, a book we haven't gone to in a while. Psalms 1, and then we'll also be in the book of Ezra chapter 7. And here shortly, we, um, after, after the message, then we're, we're going to in, we intentionally created some time and space because we want to come together and pray as we've been advertising this first Sunday of the new year um, as a, a time for a special prayer blessing for the new year. And so we want to pray with you all as many of, of you that would uh, like that. And we're going to pray with you, pray for you and your families, your households for this new year, and just believe God for his gracious hand to be on our life in this 2020 year. Uh, let me invite you. I know you just sat down, but I'm going to ask you to stand up for the reading of the word today. It's something I probably have ever, never asked anybody to do uh, in, that I can recall. We're going to do it today. Not saying we're going to do it every week, but we're going to do it today. <laughs> Psalm one. It will also be on on our screen uh, with uh, with you uh, to follow along. I'm going to be reading this portion out of the Passion Translation today. Okay. Verse one says, "What delight comes to the one who follows God's ways? He won't walk in step with the wicked, nor share the sinner's way, nor be found sitting in the scorner's seat." His pleasure and passion is remaining true to the word of I am, meditating day and night in the true revelation of light. He will be standing firm like a flourishing tree planted by God's design, deeply rooted by the brooks of bliss, bearing fruit in every season of his life. He will never be dry, never fainting, never, uh, excuse me, ever blessed and ever prosperous. Uh, let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for this first Sunday of the new year. As we come today, we give you our time, our attention, and Lord, most importantly, we give you our heart and our devotion. We don't want to live this year, Lord, depending on our external things to be the thing that says, hey, you've got it made. We want to be dependent on the eternal thing, and that is a life with Jesus Christ. May your spirit blow fresh in this place, bring fresh light and revelation on your word. And Lord, where we're heavy burden, lighten it and help us to see that you are always with us. And may we never take that for granted. Today we look to you and we honor you now in Jesus' name. Everyone can say amen. 
and amen, and you may be seated. Thank you for standing for the reading of the word today. I've titled this message today called, I Love the Lord. I Love the Lord. The book of Psalms were written from a time frame, from the time of Moses up until Israel's captivity in Babylon. And it really, the, book, the whole book of Psalms relates to different various seasons of, of life. And it, it brings with it an, an awareness of the different variety of emotions that we can all have, depending on what season we're in, from, from joy to anger, from peacefulness to frustration, from despair to happiness and anxiety to whatever else we can feel. And feelings and emotions are real. And the book of Psalms does a great job. The writers living and praying these and writing these and singing these from a standpoint of, hey, this is the reality of my life. This is the reality of how I feel. I'm not ignoring it. I'm not going to pretend that all is okay if it's not okay. While on the other side, when everything seems to be grand and, 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 and just awesome, I'm going to be thankful for that as well. But in that, through that, woven in the middle of all of that, of how I feel, God, I will still look to you whether I'm in joy or whether I'm in despair, no matter how I feel. And so these psalms do a great job of displaying the humanity of life while at the same time expressing what it means to have a devotion to the divinity of our world, Jesus Christ. And I love the beginning of this right here as we read. that the, He says, the one who follows God's ways gives this expression, gives this description, the ones who follow God's ways. He said they will stand firm, stand firm like a flourishing tree, not just any tree, but a flourishing tree that's planted and that has deeply rooted itself in God, that it bears fruit in every season of life, I want to be able to bear fruit in every season of my life, regardless of how I feel and what happens, that it, it's possible, the writer says, as one who follows God's ways. Never dry, never fainting. Can you imagine that? I know we if we were to have a show of hands, we would probably all raise them. I have felt fainted at times. I have felt spiritually dry at times. And, that, and these are said not to make anyone feel a certain way, like bad or, or under, you know, not able, not full of faith, you know. But it's said in reality because we can also be blessed. We can also be prosperous. And so you see this from season to season. And so these psalms were written from a time of, from the time frame of Moses all the way up until Israel's captivity to Babylon. And you see that God's sustaining hand from season, to see, from season to season. Before being captive, during their captivity, and after their captivity. The reason I point that out, the time frame, is because we're going to go backwards to right after captivity. And that's where Ezra comes in. So if you, you want to flip back a few books uh, to Ezra. Job, I think it's Job, and then Esther, and then Nehemiah, then Ezra, I think. 
And we're going to look at a few verses here in this story of Ezra and the life of Ezra. Ezra was a scribe, and what that meant was that basically he was well-versed in, in the law of Moses. The first five books of the Bible was well-versed in that. In other words, Ezra had a foundation in his life of following God's ways. He had a foundation in that. And after their captivity from Babylon, they were released to go back into Jerusalem and to, be, and, and to begin to rebuild their life again. And most importantly, to rebuild the temple because that stood for the light of God in their life. And they were all headed back to do that. And Ezra was one of the leaders that God had raised up during this time to, to spear, help spearhead this movement of putting God first and keeping God first and making sure, hey, we're going we're gonna to follow God's ways in this new year of our life. See where we're going with this today? New year, new decade. And so one of the reoccurring themes in this story of Ezra is, 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 uh, is you see it come out a lot, and we're going to look at a few of these, and that is the gracious hand of God was on him. The gracious hand of God was on Ezra's life. And he was one who loved the Lord. He was one who was committed to following God's ways. And, and I say that cautiously in, in a way to, 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 to get across to us that following God's ways does not, mean, does not mean we will be perfect at keeping it. Okay, so don't misinterpret that, you got, that it means you got to be perfect at keeping all of it or none of it. It's about the intention and the direction of your life. Ezra had aimed his life in the direction of God, and he was, in, he was entrusted with the leadership role of, of helping the people of Israel now as they were rebuilding life again, putting God first in their life, keeping God first in their life in this new, new year of their life, so to speak. He was entrusted with that to say, hey, we love the Lord, and we're going to aim our life in his direction, and we're going to aim our life to follow his ways. And in so doing, you see where the gracious hand of God comes in and plays a major, major role in his life and in the people of God's life and with ours today. I'm just going to pull out five thoughts here uh, through this. And you see the gracious hand of God on their life, bringing favor, bringing completion, bringing encouragement, bringing help, and bringing the care of God in their life. And we're going to look at these. Verse 6 of chapter 7 says that, it says who Ezra was, was a scribe, well-versed. And then it says, he came up to Jerusalem from Babylon, and the king gave Ezra everything he asked for because Ezra was such a good-looking dude. He gave him everything he asked for because Ezra was on Time Magazine's front cover. No, okay, I'll see if I can get it right here. He gave him everything he asked for because he had the latest iPhone. Right? With face ID and all that. No? Okay, let's see if I can get the right translation here. He gave Ezra everything he asked for because the gracious hand of the Lord his God was on him. That is called favor. 
And I know people like to talk a little bit about favor and even favor, call it favor, favor. But here's what favor is. It's God's divine influence that no person can stop. Okay? And we are not, when God's favor is displayed in our life, that does not give us the right to flaunt. It makes us, it should make us want to be humble in giving God praise and recognizing that without the hand of God in my life, where would I really be right now? Because let's face it, there have been some insurmountable situations and seasons in our life, and there's more ahead of us that we can go through that unless God's hand is on us, his favor will not be displayed. Friend, you and I need the favor of God in our life because there are some doors and there are some situations and there are some um, encounters that we will have to go and deal with and face that without his favor, it won't, depend, it won't matter about our bank account. It won't matter about who we are, what kind of education we have. It will not matter what kind of clothes we, we wear or what, or what kind of latest smartphone we hold in our po- back pocket. It will come down to, is God's hand on your life? And with Ezra, his hand was on his life, and he brought him favor. Because Ezra, he was not trying to do his own thing. Ezra was not trying to live his will. Ezra was out to live what God wanted for his life. Thus, following God's way. But then there's another thing God's hand brought. It, brought. it brought a form of completion into Ezra's life. Look at verse, verse 9 in this story. It said that Ezra had arrived back at Jerusalem because it says for the sports car he had got him there safely. It said he arrived because the gracious hand of his God was on him. He got to where he needed to be, where God wanted him to be, because God's hand was on his life. There's a thing about God's purpose that prevails above our plans. Proverbs teaches us and tells us, wisdom says, hey, many are the plans of a man, but it's the purpose of the Lord that will prevail. When God is James, uh, I'll echo his opening this morning. When God wants to do something, God will do it. When God wants to use someone, God will use them. When God wants to open a door, God will open a door. He does not need man's permission or okay to do anything. God is not waiting for our permission to move on this earth. He wants our devotion, and he will use our life in the process of his plan. And so there is a part of God's plan about our life that when we recognize him and recognize that, God, you have a plan for me, you have a purpose for me, you're just waiting for me to get in line with it, you're just waiting for me to get in sync with it when I do then you will bring things together and bring things to pass in the manner and the time that they need to be there. Because there are some things, there are situations you and I will be a part of, and we have been in the past, where we try our darndest, we try our hardest, we try our 
best effort to, to make it happen, to fix it or to correct it or to fast forward it or to make a door open or to make this thing come together. And no matter what we do in our effort, it does not seem to happen. And we exhaust ourselves. But when we give God the issue, we trust God with our life, that in it we trust that God has a purpose with whatever it is, he has a way to bring about the right time of completion in it. And it always works out better when he is involved. Amen? But then we see another thing. We see another aspect of God's hand in Ezra's life that can translate to ours. Look down in verse 28. In this process of this story, Ezra says, I felt encouraged because the gracious hand of the Lord my God was on me. There are some times where we're going to feel weak, and maybe we have. There are going to be times where we are depleted in our strength, where there will be times where we just lack the courage to follow through with something. And when we recognize that God's hand is on our life, and we pray to him, and we look to him, and we say, Lord, I want to follow your ways. God has a way of bringing us the encouragement that we need for our life. And for the purpose for which he has us here for. There is strength from that. There is courage from that. When we need encouragement, we must recognize that God is there to give it. And when we yield our life and we yield our our burden, if you will, the burden of whatever situation to the Lord, he has a way of bringing encouragement deep within. That his spirit, the Holy Spirit, works in a way that can fill your life, that can encompass your life, that can, that can wrap your life, and can just blow up in on the inside of your life and bring you the strength, the courage, the encouragement that you need. Ezra said, man, I felt encouraged. Anybody ever been in a place of life where you just didn't feel encouraged, and then you, you know it was the Lord who moved on you, moved in you, did something, and you felt suddenly, you felt, you know, I feel better than I did before. I feel encouraged inside. Like I can go tackle this thing. I can accomplish this thing. I can step into this thing. I can fulfill what he has me here for. It's called encouragement, the strength of God, the courage of God for life's journey. But then we also can, can carry on and see in chapter 8 as the story continues that we see the help of God, the genuine help of God. Look at verse uh, 18 in this whole story, in this process, it all is continuous. Ezra says, since the gracious hand of our God was on us, these people sent a man named Sherebiah along with 18 of his sons and his brothers. He was a very, a very astute man. And it goes on to talk about they also sent other men and other servants, hundreds of them, to come and help with the rebuilding of this temple. Where we needed help, God sent provision. Where we needed people, where we needed resources, God aligned it to set it all up. 
Remember, they've been in a time where they had not been back to Jerusalem. The temple was destroyed. Everything was down. The gates and the walls were broken. And here they were coming back to rebuild, coming back to do what the Lord had commissioned them to do with their new year in life. And they were like, how are we going to do this? What are we, how are we going to put all of this together? How are we going to reassemble where we once were broken? How am I going to rebuild where I have been broken down? Anybody ever felt like that? It's amazing that when we follow the Lord and we look to Him and aim our life in His direction, He always brings the right people in. He'll always bring the right person. He'll always bring the right circle of friendships in your life. He'll always bring the right resources of people to your aid because God wants your life to move forward. God wants you to fulfill what he has you here for. God is not setting life up for you to fail. God is setting life up for you to enter heaven triumphantly, that when any one of us take our last and final breath or when the trumpet sounds and he comes for us first, that'll be a day, right? That when that happens and we enter and cross over to the other side of eternity, God sets it up for us to exuberantly enter in to the gates of heaven. That there is a party going on. There is a celebration going on. It's 24-7. If we could give time to heaven, it's 24-7, 365. And even on leap year like this year happens. That the praises of God never cease. That is what we were created for on the inside. God put eternity in the hearts of men. Ecclesiastes tells us that. And that that ache, that groan on the inside of our heart will never be satisfied, never be soothed, never be really fulfilled until that heart of yours is glorifying God with your life. And God says, look, I want that for you. And when you look to me and you love me and you aim your life in my direction and follow me, I will bring the right people in your life. You don't have to ever worry about being alone. You will never have to worry about being a loner or feeling lonely or being alone forever. There are moments we can feel alone. There are moments we will be isolated. There are moments we will be in solitude. But as far as the way we live life, God intended it for us to live it in the circle of community called the church. And there are friends and there are brothers and there are sisters in this place. People of faith, people of godliness, people of righteousness. None of us are perfect, so none of us get to point fingers. We all are here to call ourselves believers and to help one one another live this life for God. And God always brings the right help. God always sends the right help. We might have to wait for it. We might have to pray it through. But if we will just give God the chance to move and show himself faithful, he'll always bring about the right types of people and resources in our life. And then this last one, God brings care. His gracious hand brings care to our life. Are you guys with me today? Look at verse 31 of chapter 8. <clears throat> it says, And the gracious hand of our God protected us and saved us from enemies and bandits along the way hand of God, the gracious hand of God 
we see God's hand cares for his beloved. God's hand cares for his beloved. You see God's protection. You you see God's safety. You see God's salvation at work in our life. Now, here's what I want to end all of those points with in this. It's not love God, follow his ways, and never have problems. I wish that were the case, man, right? Come on. Who would like to live your whole life never having a problem? And love the Lord in the whole process of it and never doubt one minute of it. That would be great. But it's not follow God's ways and have no problems. It's this. It's love the Lord, follow his ways, and see his sustaining hand bring us through every situation in each season of life. Because God knows he takes, throughout the Bible, it's woven through the scriptures. And it's echoed in Romans 8. That God takes bad and uses it for good. God takes harm and uses it for good for those who love him and for those who live for his purpose. He always has and he always will do that. I wish it were, man, I love the Lord and I'm following God and I don't ever have a problem in my life. But it's not that way. God's sovereign written law, if you will, is written as, hey, love the Lord, follow him, but depend on and acknowledge him in all your ways. See his gracious hand sustain you through every season of life that you go through. That's how it works. And as we begin this new year, We like to start the year off as a church, praying and fasting, as Lindsay already has reminded us of that this morning, that that begins tomorrow and for the next three, up until the next three Sundays as a church family, that's what we're going to commit ourselves to. I would encourage you, if you're ever going to fast, fast for sure when the whole church is doing it, because there's power in numbers. Not that you can't fast any other time, because here's the thing. The Bible doesn't teach us just to fast at the beginning of the year. It doesn't really tell us to do that. We do that because it's a calendar year. It's new. It's fresh. You know, all the cheesy 2020 stuff that comes out that James already told you. I can't repeat. But has some truth to it. That is a time where we're going to just dedicate the beginning of this first month to the Lord as a sign to God saying, look, the rest, of my, the rest of this year is also yours. And we're going to take some time to be intentional, to pray, to seek the Lord. And that's really what fasting is. It's about doing uh, without something and supplementing that time that you were doing that in reading the Word, in praying, and seeking the Lord. And there are multitudes of, in our in our modern world today, postmodern world today, there's so many different things we can fast, and I'm not going to get into all of those. I just want to encourage you in this, is just ask God, hey, what would you have me to fast during these 21 days? It might be something different each day, or something different each week, or the same thing for 21 straight days. It's between you and God. We don't try to determine that or dictate that for you. But another thing we like to do to set the year off is we like to have a time, what we call the New Year Prayer Blessing, where um, 
we'd like to take some, a little bit of time with you, spend a little bit of time praying for each and every single one of you and your families, your households, and just, just laying our hands on you in prayer and believing God that there would be an impact, there would be an influence of heaven. It was one of the songs we were singing earlier, let heaven come to earth. Let all that heaven has for us, all that God has for us in this year would happen and that we wouldn't uh, miss it, that we would walk obediently to him, we would, we would follow him faithfully, we would do what Ezra laid out and, and what the book of Psalms tells us in Psalm 1, that we would follow in the ways of God, and as a result, following in the ways of God, we will be like a flourishing tree, we will stand firm in every season, and there will be fruit on our tree in every season, we will blossom in every season of this year. So our children are going to be, their uh, elementary kids are making their way back in to join you, mom and dad, or whomever they're with today. And as they come forward, I'm going to invi- invite our, our, our pastoral staff and our, our elders to come on up and join me in the front. So you're here today, starting this new year off, and again, taking, I, God takes into account how you feel, what you're thinking, but in your heart, you're like, yeah, I, I love the Lord, I want to be following in His ways, I'm going to commit my life to follow His ways this year, because I, I really want that God's God's gracious hand to be on me, to be on my household, because of all the things that it represents. And I'm just going to invite you to, if you can stand, then I'm going to pray, I'm going to lead us in a prayer, and then after I lead us in the prayer, and then I'll give you further instructions about the remaining time of this prayer blessing. going to invite you to close your eyes and bow your head for a moment. I'm just going to lead us, and I'm not going to ask you to repeat the prayer. I'm just, as I pray it, just listen to it and let it echo in your own heart and in your own thoughts. Father God, I, I come boldly to you this morning to your throne of grace. Thank you that you hear us, you accept us as we are. We don't have to try to dress ourselves up, change something about us in order to approach you. We come to you just as we are. And in so doing, Lord, we acknowledge, I acknowledge my faults, I acknowledge my weaknesses, I acknowledge my shortcomings today because I know I'm not perfect I don't have it all together. But I ask you, Lord, in this confession, I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to forgive me deep in my heart. Lord, I don't want to walk around and live life this year heavy because I won't change by repenting and looking to you. You want me to live free. And in living free, Lord, you have also asked us to forgive those who have wronged us. So, Lord, I forgive those who have wronged me. 
As I have wronged you, I ask that you would forgive me. And like David prayed in Psalm 51, create in me a clean heart. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit, a right spirit within me, where, I, where it's not been right, where I've been off, where it's just not been great in me today. Renew, renew, make it new again, make it fresh again. Restore to me, God, the joy of your salvation. I want to be excited about being a child of God. I want to be excited about living a life of faith. I don't want to live held hostage by fear and worry, Lord. So free me today. Restore unto me today the joy of your salvation. And God, make me willing to obey you, where I have been rude to you, where I have ignored your calling, make me willing to obey. Oh God, wash me and I will be clean. Clean me and I will be free. Free me, Lord, and I'll forever be yours. I'm your child, you are my God. And I aim my life in your direction this year for 2020. My life belongs to you. This year belongs to you. The remaining 360 days, oh God, belong to you in my own life. I'm in agreement, Lord, with what you want to do with me. And it may surprise me sometimes with what you want to do, but my heart is in agreement with it. I love you. Lord, I love you, and I, I'm so thankful for you for saving my life. I want to walk in your ways this year, Lord. You, you're challenging me to rise. You're challenging me to come up. You're challenging me, Lord, to step up. And Lord, I want to do that. I want your gracious hand, oh Lord, to be firmly fixed on my life. Because I know I can't do this on my own. I know, Lord, I didn't save myself. You saved me. And I can't work it out my, on my own accord. Your spirit within me compels me and is at work within me to love you and to live for you. And I thank you because your hand is on my life. You will bring favor you will see that things get completed according to your plan. You will give me the encouragement and the help I need, and you will look after me and bring care to me and my household. I love you, Lord. And I lift my voice, and I say thank you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I want to declare this scripture over your life. Isaiah 41.10. The Lord says, don't be afraid. Some of you are making some new moves this year. Some changes. And the Lord says, don't be afraid. Because I am with you, says the Lord. I am with you. Don't be discouraged. 
don't, don't be discouraged. Because the Lord says, I am your God. The Lord says, I will strengthen you and help you. I have what you need. And he says, I will uphold you with my victorious right hand. Folks, God is supreme. God is on the throne. God is sovereign. God is providential. God is always God. And he needs no one's help. But he does want to display his vastness, his majesty, his almightiness in the lives of his people.